Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillah ve salatu vesselam ala Resulillah ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ve men ve ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us all with a strong relationship with his book subhanahu wa ta'ala and bless us up to move up in the degrees of reflection and contemplation. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala remove the lock from our hearts that's preventing us from greater understanding of his book. Tabarakah wa ta'ala. We are have now reached the sixth inner act of Quranic recitation. And we'll get right into it today, ta'ala. In the beginning of next class, we'll review all six that we've discussed before. Inshallah, if we finish number six today, move on to number seven. Number six is At-Takhalli an Mawani' al-Fahm. And this could be translated as Avoiding the preventatives of understanding. Ridding yourself, bypassing the various obstacles that come in your way that prevent you from understanding. And so Imam Ghazali introduces this concept and then he's going to list four. Four different preventatives that you and I need to be aware of so that we can focus on our recitation, contemplate and receive its blessings. So he says, فَإِنَّ أَكْثَرَ النَّاسِ مُنِعُوا مِنْ فَهْمِ الْقُرَانِ يَسْبَابٍ وَهُجُبٍ أَسْتَلْهِ الشَّيْطَانَ لَكُلُوبِهِمْ The vast majority of people have been prevented from accessing, understanding the meanings of the Qur'an due to certain causes and veils that shaytan has placed over their hearts. فَأَمْيَتْ عَلِهِمْ أَجَائِبُ أَسْرَاهِ الْقُرْآنِ They've been unable to see and they've been blinded from the wonders of the secrets of the Qur'an as a result. And then he quotes again the hadith of our Prophet ﷺ. He quotes this in more than one place in his book, The Ihlulum al-Din. لَوْلَا أَنَّ الشَّيَاطِينِ يَحُمُونَ عَلَىٰ قُلُوبِنِ آدَمِ Or not to be that the shayateen, the demons are circling around the heart of the son of Adam. They would have looked at the dominion of the heavens. And then he says, The meanings of the Qur'an can be considered to be from the malakut. He's going to explain what the malakut is. So you have the mulk and the malakut. And in this sense you could juxtapose one to the other. The mulk is the dominion, the seen realm, whereas the Merkut is the unseen realm. And this is what he says, Everything that is beyond the realm of the sensory, that your senses aren't able to perceive, and it is not perceived except with the light of inner sight, that is what we say is from the Merkut. Or you could just simply say the unseen realm. So he says, There are four veils of understanding, hindrances, obstacles, preventatives. The first is going to relate to how it is that we recite the Quran. He says, Is that one's concern? And here he means one is overly concerned about pronouncing the letters correctly and making sure that each one 
has emanated from its makhraj, from its point of articulation. No doubt this is a great thing, no doubt this is one of the ways the Qur'an has been preserved. The way that we know in great detail exactly where every letter is articulated in our mouth and sometimes even down into the throat. However, to overly focus on it, to be so preoccupied with that, that someone does not reflect upon the meanings of what it is that they're reciting, this of course is blameworthy. And so he says, to have your concern solely be how you are pronouncing Allah's book, and to overly focus upon that, this is the first hijab of fahm, the first veil of understanding. Now I will say, when someone learns how to recite, and one is still, for instance, for non-Arab, learning how to read the Arabic language, at first there's going to be difficulty. You're going to actually have to focus on the actual reading portion. But the hope is if you place enough energy in and you try hard enough that eventually you'll be able to read relatively easily. And then once that's the case, you can focus more upon the meaning as opposed to your, the recitation of the actual the, how you're reading. So he says here, وَهَذَا يَتَّوَلِّ حِفْدَهُ الشَّيْطَانِ وُكِّلَ بِالْقُرَّاءِ لِيَصِلْفُمْ أَنْ فَهْمِي مَعَانِكَ نَمِي And so shaytan is the one who is preoccupying them with this, getting them to focus on this. And this is one of the primary problems of the Qur'an, which is the, the plural of a qara, which is a Qur'an reciter. So the Qur'an reciters might fall into this more than other people, but in reality, everyone could fall into this, where we place overly focus upon how it is that we recite outwardly. And we say overly focus because we had already spoken about Imam Ghazali himself said that we should recite with tartil. He already told us that we should adorn our recitation. So he's not against that. But we have to put everything in its proper place. So this diverts them from the meanings of the Qur'an. The more the outward way that the Qur'an is recited is focused on. So then he says, فَلَا يَزَالُوا يَحْمِلُهُمْ عَلَى تَرْدِيلِ الْحَرْفِ That shaitan will get them to repeat a letter multiple times. يُخَيُّ إِلَيْهِمْ Making them imagine أَنَّهُ لَمْ يَخْرُجْ مِنْ مَخْرِجَةِ Getting them to imagine that, oh, he didn't pronounce that letter correctly. It, didn't, it, wasn't, it did not emanate from its point of articulation. فَهَذِ يَكُونُ تَأَمُّلُهُمْ مَقْصُورَ عَلَى مَخْرِجِ الْحَرُوفِ this person doesn't have ta'amul. They don't ponder upon the meaning because they are solely focused upon the outward. How could meanings be unveiled to him when this is his state? That this is from the greatest of people that shaitan laughs at. The one who that follows his whisperings in relation to this way of deception. So the first one is overly focusing on how it is that we recite. And again, what we want is a balanced course of action where we learn how to recite. We put energy in. But then when it comes to the actual recitation, well, yes, we still try to recite correctly, of course. You don't place too much focus upon that. You try to move from your outward recitation to the meaning. And then he mentions the second one. Thaniha. 
أن يكون مقلدا لمذهب سمع بالتقرير وجمد عليه. And here he was speaking about someone who has learned a particular way of doing things. And I'm going to take a bit of poetic license in how I translate this. Um, he's learned things in a very particular way. And what he means here is a person of knowledge. They've learned that this is the correct position for something. This is the way that you do something. And he says that this way of doing things has become firmly rooted within him. And he becomes fanatical about it. And he refuses to even consider that there's another way of doing things. And it's not possible to even have across his mind that there's another valid particular way. And even if it crosses his mind very quickly, he gets back to his initial way of seeing things. Now, while in some ways there is safety in this because someone can remain firm in whatever it is that they're on, hopefully it's something of the, that relates to the truth. However, it does prevent someone from understanding. And as we will see, Imam Zaidi will speak of the heart as a mirror. And this fanaticism and unwillingness to understand that there is a way to understand what it is that we understand beyond the way that we understand presently, it can veil you. And for you to think that there's only this outward dimension of it, this is the only way to understand it. If we're so fixated on that that we don't allow for an unveiling to take place, then we'll never experience what is actually possible to experience at the level of the heart. So this is obviously something that is blameworthy. And he said, it is for this reason some of the righteous said, in al-ilm hijab, that knowledge can be a veil. Now knowledge, of course, is of the utmost importance. Imam Zadi began his very work that he's quoting this statement in with the book of knowledge. But knowledge can also veil someone if they are not careful. It can veil them from a higher reality. And what Imam Ghazali says here is specifically he means in relation to belief that someone is taken through taqlid. And they've heard their teacher speak about it, that becomes their belief, and they refuse to see another way. And they refuse to think that somehow there could be another way of even viewing something or some other reality. So this is one of the veils. And he says about that, وَأَمَّا الْعِلْمِ الْحَقِيقِ True knowledge is what? الَّذِي هُوَ الْكَشْفِ وَالْمُشَاهَدَ بِنُورِ الْبَصِيرَةِ It is real knowledge. True knowledge is unveiling and witnessed with the light of inner sight. And so it's good for us to know this even if we're not experiencing it. And it's better for us to frequent the company of those who are experiencing it. And better yet, we take a path whereby which we work on ourselves and put the sharia into practice so that we experience it. May Allah Ta'ala bless us to always be one of four people. You either want to be someone teaching the deen, or you want to be someone learning the deen, or you want to be someone helping those who are teaching and learning. And if you're unable to do any of those three, you're not a teacher, you're not a student, and you're not someone that can help them, either with your wealth or volunteer or in some other way, 
Don't go beyond the fourth, which is to love them. Love people who are teaching the deen. Love people who are learning the deen. Love people who are supporting those who are teaching and learning the deen. And Allah Ta'ala has given everyone an opportunity to enter into one of those four. Everyone can do at least one of those four. And better yet, we can do two of them or even three of them. And so that, the more that we move up in those ranks, the more reward that we receive from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he says, فَكَيْفُ يُكُونُ حِجَابًا وَمُنْتَهَا الْمَطْلَبُ وَهَذَا التَّقْلِيلُ قَدْ يُكُونُ بَاطِنًا And so then he goes in to say that how this blind imitation where you learn directly from your teachers and that's it, you don't allow yourself to even think about anything else, it could be false or it could even be true. And both could be veils. Even when that taqlid is true. And you're not misguided. So misguidance, of course, if one is based upon taqlid, is obviously a problem and it will veil you. But even if what one believes is true. And unfortunately, you still find this in the Muslim community. And I think oftentimes it stems from someone who's not secure in what they're in. If you're secure in your faith, you won't feel a need to speak bad about other people or refute other people to prove to yourself that you're on the truth. If you're that confident of the truth, yes, that there might be times where you correct wrong and you explain to people that have misunderstood, but you, it, you, you don't feel the need to do so and you only do so when you need to do so. But there are some people that are insecure internally and the only way they feel comfortable is if they bash other people. And they could be within their deen or they could be beyond their deen. Well, you and I have to be firm in our faith and recognize we have a higher purpose. In and of ourselves, we should be seeking closest to Allah Ta'ala and we should be helping people around us to do the same. We have purpose and we should be living with purpose while we are here on earth. So even if it's a true belief that we've taken from our teachers. Why are you denying that there's other ways of doing things? And why are you denying that there's a possibility of something higher? So I'm sure there's still questions that some people might have in their mind. And this topic is an important one that would require us to go into more detail. But we will suffice ourselves with that, other than to finish off what he says here. So even if it's true, it could still prevent him from understanding the meanings and from having an unveiling. Now, The truth that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made us legally responsible to believe there's degrees in it. And it has a mabda, and has a, a beginning point, it has a zahir, an outward aspect, and waghurun batin. And it has inward depths to it as well. And he says, And restricting oneself to the outward dimension it prevents someone from reaching the inner depths. And he says that just as we've mentioned, the difference between Al-ilm al-zahir and baltan outward knowledge and inward knowledge in the book uh, of the Ihya Qawa'il Aqai, which is the second book of the Ihya Ulam al-Din. Uh, 
And so Jumud al-Tabi, some people aren't even open to even considering that there might be something higher. And that will veil you. Then the third veil, or the third preventative. And yukun musirran ala them. May Allah Ta'ala forgive us and have mercy upon us all, Ya Rabbil Adameen, is that someone persists in sin. O muttasifan bi kibar. Or they are characterized with d- diseases of the heart. They're diseased. They have a disease like anger. O mubtalin fil jumlatin. Or someone has a particular desire for something of this world that they can't disobey. It keeps calling them to that thing. This is a means for darkness to overtake the heart and for the heart to become rusted. So what are those things? Persistent sin. Having a terrible disease of the heart like arrogance that prevents us from seeing. Or that having an attachment to the world, some desire that we can't rid ourselves of. That all three of those things will veil the heart and it will bring about darkness in it and cause it to rust. It is like dirt on a mirror. This is where he's mentioned to the mirror about the mirror. And he already introduced the metaphor of the mirror in book 21 of the Ihya, Kitabu Sharhi Ajaib al-Qalb, the book on the explanation of the wonders of the heart. And he says here, it's like having dirt on a mirror. It prevents evident truth from manifesting and reflecting therein. This is the greatest veil for the heart. And the vast majority have been veiled through it. To the degree that the heart is freed from the dross of this world. Everything literally that's heavy in it. So to the degree that it's freed from the clutches of this world, from the dross of this world, will be to the degree that meanings manifest therein. And so this is why we have to always remember when we speak about sacred knowledge, the greatest way to attain sacred knowledge is to detach from this world. The greatest way to attain sacred knowledge is to purify your heart and to be connected to the righteous. And yes, outwardly you seek, outwardly you learn, outwardly you struggle, outwardly you memorize, outwardly you strive to understand and so forth and so on. But the more that we detach internally from this dunya, the more we sever its attachments, the more knowledge that will be gifted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَالْقَلْ مِثْلُ الْمِرْآةِ the heart is like a mirror, and the desires are like rust. And the meanings of the Quran are like the images that are reflected in the mirror. And so, spiritual exercise 
whereby which we remove and sever the attachment of these desires to the heart is like polishing a mirror and allowing it to then shine. And he's going to quote a hadith to speak about this point. If my ummah exalts gold and silver coins, i.e. money, so if they have ta'lim for it, and they esteem it and magnify it, nuzi'ah minha haybutul islam. The awe of Islam will be taken from it. Nuzi'ah minha haybutul islam. Nasrallah Is that the awe of Islam will be taken from it. If they abandon calling to good and forbidding evil, they will be prevented the blessing of revelation. And of course, it is done with wisdom. And of course, there's a time and a place for everything and a way of doing things. And we have to adhere to a methodology. But this is true. And we have to understand where we fit into it and to do our part individually. And... Al-Fudayl ibn Yadid, he said, Quran. What does it mean to be prevented? The blessing of revelation, they will be prevented understanding Allah's book. And we see examples in Allah's book, as Imam Ghazali says, In order for us to really understand and to be aware of and to be mindful of the reminders and the lessons of the Qur'an, we have to have this trait of inaba, which is to turn to Allah. So Allah Ta'ala says, Tabsiratan wa abdin munim. It is a reminder in a lesson, a lesson and a reminder for every servant that turns back. Allah Ta'ala says, Only those who turn back to Him will be mindful. And to be aware. Waqara subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah ta'ala also says, al-bab, only the people of intellect will be mindful. Ulul al-bab, the people of the innermost core. For the one who prefer who prefers the delusions of this world over the bliss of the afterlife, Falaysa min will al-bab. That person cannot be considered to be from this noble category of people called the Ulul Al-Bab, the people of intellect. And for this reason, the secrets of the book will not be unveiled to him. So that is the third preventative or the third veil. So to briefly recap before we talk about the fourth. The first one is to overly focus on how we recite the Qur'an outwardly, and how we pronounce it. Learn it, do your best, don't intentionally make a mistake, obviously, do your best to say, uh, pronounce correctly, uh, the Qur'an correctly, to learn tajweed, to recite it with tartil, and to, to zayinu, to make it beautiful. But the focus is on the meaning. So the first is overly placing over, too much focus on the outward dimension of recitation. The second is ta'asum fanaticism that sticking to one particular opinion we've heard from our teachers where we prevent ourselves from understanding them there are higher degrees that we can attain 
But if we just stubbornly refuse to even consider that that might exist, it's going to avail us and we're not going to have access to it. And then the third is to be in a state of sin, or to have bad character traits, vices in the heart, and to have desires run rampant where we have attachments that we're unable to sever. These are the first three that he mentions. And then he mentions, finally, the fourth. رَابِعُهَا أَنْ يَكُنْ قَرَعْ تَفْسِيرًا ظَاهِرًا وَاَعْتَقَدْ أَنَّ لَا مَعْنَ لِكَلِمَةِ الْقُرَانِ إِلَّا مَا تَنَاوِرُهُ النَّقَلِ أَنَّ بِالْبَعَاسِ وَمُجَهْرِ وَغَيْرِهِمْ And the next is where someone reads a tafsir and that tafsir focuses only on the outward dimension of the meanings. And this person comes to believe there are no, there's no meanings to the words of the Qur'an except those meanings that have been transmitted by Ibn Abbas and by Mujahid and by others. And yes, that's the foundation of how we come to understand Allah's book is what has been transmitted. But there are other meanings that Allah Ta'ala also inspires people with. And there's also what are called, there's what's called a tafsir al-ishari. There's elusive interpretations. And so, he then says, and anything beyond what has been transmitted, this is considered to be a tafsir bil-ra'i, according to someone's scholarly opinion. And then they associate that with the hadith, whoever uh, explains the Qur'an and comments upon it according to his opinion, is that he has surely taken his place of the fire. This is from the great veils. That hadith means someone that explains the Qur'an without knowledge and makes mistakes. As for someone that has studied the transmitted meanings of tafsir and knows the Arabic language and has the tools to comment on Allah's book and he has meanings that he's inspired with in relation to that, as long as they don't contradict some of the principles that tafsir is built upon, it's acceptable. And it is perfectly legitimate for someone to teach other people that understanding with those conditions. We're going to speak about commenting on the Quran with scholarly based upon scholarly opinions in the fourth chapter. And that does not contradict the statement of Sayyidina Ali. Unless one of us was given an understanding in the Quran. So with that he finishes his discussion of the sixth inner act of Quranic recitation, which is avoiding the preventatives of understanding, overcoming them. May Allah Tabarakadad give us tawfiq and bless us with a strong connection to His book, Ya Rahman Rahmeen, to open up the meanings of His book to us, Ya Adil Jalali wa Akram. May we have fahm of, of the Quran, may we have amal bima fi Quran, and to act upon what is in the Quran, Ya Rahman Rahmeen. And may we recite the Quran with open minds and open hearts and bless us to be able to receive. And may it change us eternally, Ya Rabbil Amin, for the good and be a means for us to attain the highest levels of paradise. And we will all love the Qur'an and be devoted to the Qur'an and recite the Qur'an with reflection and contemplation, striving to understand its meanings in a way that is pleasing to Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, inwardly and outwardly. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, wa alayhi wa sallam, wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.